two yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in, golf fans. This is the Preferred Lines podcast and live stream. My name is Joe Idoni. You can find me on Twitter or X at Tour Picks is the username on there. Um, we've got an incredible show lined up for you tonight. I'm excited to sort of recap what we saw last week at the Open Championship Put a bow on Hoylake. Talk a little bit of big picture stuff about what we saw from essentially the 2023 major season, um, and then shift gears right to Minnesota. I've got a, I've got a native on my hands this week. Uh, excited to have him on the show and join me to talk through what's going on at TPC Twin Cities. The 3M Open is live. We've got odds. We're going to make bets. You know the deal. This is Preferred Lines. I hope that you really enjoy the program. Before we get started, as always, we are brought to you in part by the Fantasy Golf Pod. Appreciate their show, as always. My guys are going to be on site this week, starting tomorrow. Check out their page for content. They will be all over the tournament this weekend. I just talked to my guest. He's going tomorrow. He's going all weekend. Um, it should be a really exciting time to cover their Content, make sure that you subscribe to their channel as well and follow them on Twitter. Now, before we get started, wanted to mention merch is up as always on preferredlinesgolf.com. Last week, two giveaways from the YouTube. I have selected the winners, they were randomly selected. I put them in a generator. Trust me, it's legit. These are the two people that won, and they I don't have their Twitter feed, so you need to be kind of watching this show to claim your prize. A hundred dollars. I'm gonna Venmo you if you are on YouTube username at Chase Nance 4912 or at Casey with a K K A C Y Cook 4581. Please reach out to me, send me a DM. They are open. I will get you your money. I'm happy to have everyone in here tonight. Rise and fire. My guy Chris is here. Ted says, Let's go. Let's do it. Golf gamblers absolutely 100% assemble. I don't know if he's here yet. Sometimes you can't check out the live show, but wanted to shout out. A longtime follower of the show, Brent Harris, for having an absolutely incredible DraftKings week. Congrats to you, Brent. Uh, you are a great follower. I appreciate all your support over the many years with the Jacques Market Show in this. And it is a well-deserved victory and celebration that I hope that you took the lap for from the Open Championship. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's bring the guest onto the show. He's a former producer of Preferred Lines. He is part of the Fantasy Golf Pod and their entire network. He is your expert for anything weather this week in Minnesota, scratch golfer, incredible human. Welcome to the show, Josh Bennett at Jish Swish. Sorry, Jish Swish. On, yeah, it's, a it's a tongue teaser. What, tongue on X. Tie. I'm just going to call it X now. What's up, dude? Yeah. Hey, man. It's, uh, it's good to be back here. It's been quite some time since I got to talk on preferred lines. So I'm excited. We don't get to chat golf too much either. So I'm very excited about that as well. Very excited about it. Let's start with the open. Um, okay. First thing, I kind of liked early morning golf. And not only early morning golf, but having the leaders tee off at like 10 a.m. was kind of spoiled because I really, as someone with young children like yourself, you mentioned mm -hmm. you had the weekend, 
it was nice that I was able to, you know, participate in some family weekend plans. My wife was like, when's golf going to be over? And I was like, like two or three o'clock and not like seven or eight o'clock. What was your experience like just from a viewing perspective this weekend uh, for the open? Yeah. So that, that's the reason the open is my favorite. Well, a couple of reasons, but one of the reasons the open is my favorite major of the four, um, because it's easy for me to watch. I'm usually up late at night anyway, have a small child. So that helps there anyway, but I like getting up early and watching golf in the mornings. I don't particularly enjoy having to watch golf in the afternoon. I like to play golf in the afternoon. So if I can watch it in the morning, go play in the afternoon, that's sweet. Plus, I just really enjoy Lynx golf in general. Playing on Lynx courses is my type of is my favorite type of golf course. So getting to watch pros play on that type of golf course is really fun for me. So all all in all, like the open is just like it's my favorite of the four. And other than just one guy running away with it, it's it was super exciting for me to watch this weekend. Have you played over there in Europe or Ireland or Scotland or anywhere that you have that? So what is like, is there a comparable Lynx golf experience like here in the U S <laughs> or a course that like we can get that same feel that we saw at like a, a Royal Liverpool? I don't, I doubt it. Uh, maybe I, not that I've ever played. I doubt it though. I mean, just things maybe like band in if you were to go there. The maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of courses, even, even in Minnesota, there's courses that call themselves, themselves links courses but in minnesota we get trees fucking everywhere so like there can be like a links type hole or two or three and then you go in the forest for three or four or five holes and then you're kind of back out on like links type but yeah i don't i don't think in the united states you can really replicate it just because of like the weather they get over there the type of land that they have is just so much different from the stuff that we get in the united states so i don't really think you can replicate it but i think people try yeah, they definitely try. There's all kind of places. Like, there's a place, the Boynton Beach links by me. Shout out, Sam, if you're over there. Um, nothing like what I saw last week. But uh, obviously, champion, Brian Harmon. Let's talk about him for a second. He had... So here's where I think I nailed it last week. I oh. think I had the correct profile and course fit thing kind of nailed down because my whole thing was and i felt like i zigged a little bit from some of the other content that i heard was i was putting a huge emphasis on accuracy out of the fairways on people clubbing down which is one of the reasons i made this big strong case for like brooks and i'm like he's a great long iron player i hope that he just hits three iron everywhere and avoids pot bunkers and avoids bogey and stays in the fairway i thought it was going to play hard and really only one player broke seven under par and the weather was pretty good it didn't get like it wasn't great but it wasn't like gnarly like 40 mile an hour winds it was pretty good for the most part so i think that it played harder than a lot of people thought Mm -hmm. and his just ability to strategize the course i think is what won it for him he was in three bunkers all week and one of them was on the 18th hole where i think he kind of went it intentionally possibly Either way, he laid back behind all of them. He hit long irons into the holes and played to the middle of the greens and stopped trying to make birdies everywhere and just made his pars. And then, of course, you know, he putted 58 out of 59 from inside 10 feet, which is outrageous. I would have never Mm -hmm. I would have never had him as a pick. 
But I think that from a course fit perspective, he's kind of the player or the type of player that I was looking for. And I was genuinely surprised that more of the top end talent didn't deploy a strategy similar to what Brian Harmon did. Now, Harmon hit driver everywhere, but Harmon could hit driver and not bring trouble into play like these other guys could because he hits a ton of fairways and he doesn't hit it 310 off the tee. So was a bit surprised there. Now, there were, of course, Cam Young's and Rahm's on the leaderboard that kind of debunked that theory. But what were your general thoughts on the course and sort of how you saw his strategy play out? Yeah, I I totally agree. The the one thing I heard a lot of people tout before the tournament was you got to have an accurate driver off the tee, which was true. Brian, he was number one, I think, accuracy off the tee. But like you said, Cam Young and, and the longer hitters were also up there because they weren't hitting driver too much. So you, we could we could tout driving accuracy all you want, but the stat really didn't mean too much because they weren't hitting a ton of drivers off the tee. So they're just going to – people were just going to be more accurate. So in theory, what you needed to look for was exactly what you said, the people that hit better long irons into the greens. And I believe Brian Harmon's uh, very good at that or – at least he yeah. should be with the distance that he hits it off the he team. He was last week. So. Yeah. So, and then the the other interesting part about the Open Championship that I didn't mention, but which I also kind of like, I don't like it a ton on the PGA Tour, but I kind of like it in the Open, is being a really good putter is really, really important because most mm-hmm. of the time the greens are massive. So you can hit it on the green all you want, but if you're 70 feet away, three putt. Like yeah. so, so if you can get it on the green, and and even if you do get it to seventy feet, if you can consistently roll the you know good putts and two putt, par your way through the course, eventually you're gonna roll in like a fifty footer and make a birdie. You'll mm-hmm. get to the par fives and score on the par fives. You can do all that. So yeah, the the way Harmon played it is he just got into the fairway, whether he was driver or not, doesn't really matter hit it onto the green, made a whole bunch of pars, and then rolled in a few birdie putts. Yeah, he basically... It's an easy game, really, if you think about it. He (laughs) won the Open for the most part on Friday. Now, I don't want to take anything away from his weekend because the guy played under par on Saturday and Sunday when the pressure was at an absolute max, and there wasn't many players who played under par on both of those days. Um, But, yeah, it was just... You know, from an entertainment value standpoint, and I put a tweet out earlier today kind of like ranking my favorite tournaments of the year. It's way down the list, but I don't want that to diminish the accomplishment of someone like Harmon. Now, it was far more surprising to me that he won than Wyndham Clark winning the U.S. Open. I I know that was a bit of a surprise, but he was an absolute long shot. I've seen anywhere from like 120 to 170 to one tickets that people had. Um, shout out Kirschner and a few other guys who were on him and had great takes on why they should be on him. But just from an ener- like just being up and having that lead and it never really felt close enough, I think ultimately from an entertainment value perspective was a letdown. And it was kind of similar to the Masters. Like those were probably my two favorite. Like I love Augusta National. I actually really liked watching that golf course and loved watching like open championship golf, but they both were just generally a letdown as if there was a big lead on the back nine. And it's kind of funny how 
like some of the tournaments we really were not expecting to be really compelling, entertaining finishes on Sunday. And I bring this up because we're headed to the 3M where we've had some of these moments For have sure. really been the best tournaments of the year. The Canadian Open, the Heritage, yeah. the Honda was a freaking thrilling, like Chris Kirk going in the water and then like make like there's been some really great finishes out of some of these other sort of opposite events that you wouldn't normally trigger or, or think of. And they've just been awesome to see, but I would love for a major championship to sort of get a finish like that. And it seems like it's been a little while, probably since like the Mito JT situation has one been yeah. really, really tight. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was trying to think of how to explain my thought, just my thoughts on just the majors in general. And I'm kind of on the same page there. I think I have two thoughts one is yeah i mean it's when somebody just runs away with the tournament like it's just really hard to be exciting um but then also i think something that goes into that is more and more and more we go where the tv situation gets worse and worse the the entertainment value just continues to diminish because even five years ago we're we're going to the TV expecting the TV people to show us things that are exciting or people that are working their way up the leaderboard or doing cool things that are going to get us excited to keep watching. Even like the open, there could have been things going on in the course that are like, Oh shit, something cool is about to happen. I can't wait to see that nowadays. Like people are going to bet 365.com and following the shot tracker. And so they, are just seeing what's happening there and they're like oh are they going to show this on tv or not maybe maybe not and it's just like seeing something on your computer screen that just shows like a line where the ball went way less exciting than what they can and should be putting on our tvs to get us excited about things like the yeah. the masters and the open were just in general especially sunday not super exciting because they were both just basically runaways the no like it was kind of exciting uh, for the open. Harmon kind of made a bogey in there. Rahm and Rory kind of made a push. It was like, oh, we might be getting close here, and then it was nothing. But yeah. the other two, like the scores were close. People were flying up and down the leaderboards, but we just, we just like never got to see anything. People were already like just seeing everything on Shot Tracker, and they're like, oh, maybe I'll see it on TV, maybe I won't, because they're just not showing it to us. So. I think that's mostly been like a really big problem in the majors is as, as far as like the entertainment part is we just don't get to see anything as far. And like the majors themselves, like the storylines and everything were so good too. Like you have Brooks winning and all the live stuff was really cool. And Phil in the masters and everything. And then like Wyndham and Harmon, like obviously just outsiders, just winning majors is really cool. So the yeah. storylines are sweet. And then you get to the entertainment part and you're like, well, I don't even know if I was really entertained, you know, it, I don't really want to go on a huge rant on this, but it yeah, was, yeah. A master, it, <laughs> it was a master class by NBC on how to royally fuck up a golf tournament from an entertainment <laughs> aspect. Like the Thursday, the fact I like, I, I, I tweeted out like the fact that I've got to watch guy on beach hit like five shots. <laughs> and I saw two shots out of yeah. Brooks Kepko who's been the best player in major championships all year. And the best player of our generation in major championships 
Like, he's trying to save par. He's going for par fives and two. I can't see a single fucking shot, Josh. Yeah, it's and like, crazy. It, it was so <laughs> infuriating. And the fact that you're right, that I'm literally – listen, if the TV coverage is slightly delayed from the app or if they're if they spent a quarter of the budget that they do on these vignettes in these pieces about the Beatles and the downtown bar district and all these other things on just giving us a dedicated feed – that is close to live. Like if it's close to live, I won't be constantly checking the app, but it is so infuriating that you feel like you have to go there. And I see that Victor Hovland hit it 256 yards to left rough and it got nine minutes go by before I see that on my television (laughs) screen. All of us are inherently going to be glued to that app with different windows up on our computer screens following golf that way which is absolutely horrible and unacceptable for them to put on that kind of showcase at an open championship the amount of commercials was crazy like charge me for it like the tournament you can run the show charge me 14.99 for the week for a dedicated feed that has picture in picture and will show me two players playing at once and keep the nbc feed going on for the you know casuals that are flipping through and the people in the background music at the bar but it was it was just really bad yeah the and the sad part is is the (laughs) what is pitched to us from players and the tour in general is this is an entertainment an entertainment product so it's their job and their job is to entertain which is why they don't want the ball rollback. Most of the pros don't want the ball rollback, or at least that's what they say. And a lot of all of that stuff, because making birdies is fun. People want to watch you make birdies. Hitting bombs is fun. People want to watch people hit bombs. So they feed us this weird thing where they say this is an entertainment product, and then they really do not try hard to entertain you when they actually are supposed to show the golf it makes no just sense show us the sport just show us the sport yeah. it's crazy it's so crazy sorry i had another i wanted to talk to you um <laughs> i put up a poll earlier today and i knew that i was going to be shocked by these results but i was so who has had the best season in 2022 2023 mm-hmm. scheffler rory rom it's unequivocally john rom And he's getting like 57% of the votes. And Rory should not even be in the equation, but I know that he's got so many slapdicks that want to, you know, rub him off every chance they can possibly get. (laughs) And so I knew people were going to vote for him. (laughs) And Scheffler is sort of in the equation because I think that he's probably been, if you look at the whole, the year as a whole, he's probably been the best player. Like, he is a deserving world number one. But John Rahm had the best season. We forget his early season California swing where he was like four to one, and it felt like he was going to win every time he teed it up. He won a major championship. There were... uh, There were betting boards where they were... They had to put boards out that were tournament without John Rahm. Yeah. Like, that... I don't think that's ever happened before since Tiger, right? Yeah. It's You're crazy. right. There was there was without Rom odds. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, his his early season results are crazy, and then he kind of died off. And that we're very like recency biased in golf, and there's so many fucking weeks in golf that once you go four weeks without winning, people just kind of forgot that you won four weeks ago. So that's 
just kind of what happened with him, I think. But he played like so good the entire year. The the interesting part about that, I voted for Scotty on that before I really even thought about it. Um, but I think I'm still on Scotty. And I tell think me that's I think it's because I winning golf tournaments is so hard. And on top of that, it's mostly lucky. If you look at how John Rahm won a lot of a, a couple of the tournaments, I shouldn't say a lot. He didn't win a lot. He won a few. But if you look at what happened in those events that he won, you could go back a multiple shots in every single tournament where he hit it into a parking lot and got a free drop with a perfect lie and hit it on the green for a birdie. Or the, that was like a Genesis. Or he or he bounced it off the top of a off the top of the grandstands and it rolled onto the green for an eagle putt. Like there's so many thing, there's so many luck things involved in winning a golf tournament that I th- I think luck just kind of fell in John Rahm's way. Not to say that John Rahm shouldn't have won the golf tournaments. Like he played fantastic golf, deserves the wins, and he's insanely good. Like have the wins, you're good. The what I look at with Scotty is all of the statistics that he's basically the best. And if you look at those and compare them, and a lot of people have done these to like some of Tiger's best years, you've never been able to compare anybody's statistics to Tiger until Scotty this year. Like, no, you don't even think about it. And this year, people are like, oh shit, look at his stroke scanned off the tee and all this stuff. This is mirroring or close to mirroring what Tiger used to do. You've never been able to do that before. So if right. we're if we're comparing somebody's season to Tiger as far as like how they're just hitting the golf ball. That's crazy to me. So that's why I picked Scotty. Maybe that's just because I'm a stat nerd, but also I, I, I can't be- say that the John Ron, like John Rom had the best results. That's for sure. I think that's what it's ultimately about for me. And that's why I didn't put like the best season statistically is I think the reason that most people bring up those stats in the first place is to not to necessarily say that like Scotty is the next equivalent to Tiger Woods. It's to illustrate how little he wins for how good he is. And there's something about that. Like that's the whole point of putting that stat out there is, wow, when Tiger did this, he won eight times. He won seven times that year. When Scotty did this, he won once. Exactly. Twice. Sorry, twice. He has two wins. Um, But yeah, it's just, you know, it's, I guess I, I put so much stock in the majors and I think that the statistics and the strokes gain off the T numbers in 10 straight starts inside the top 10 or whatever it is crazy in yeah. two to three years will be forgotten. And yep. these players are ultimately going to be judged. If you're a top five player in the world on major championships. And I guess to some degree, these elevated events, but that's where I think that they're equal and they both notch two elevated events. And I give yeah. John Rom the huge leg up because he won the biggest golf tournament in the world, right? Yeah, so, for sure, yeah. And he won it kind of going away. Now, Brooks sort of folded that in a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, if you look at the numbers on Scotty, how good he has been this year, I it's think crazy, that yeah. he would ultimately be disappointed in his season at the end. I'm guessing day. I'm guessing he would, too. And he, he I'm I'm certain he knows why you look at all of his numbers and they are all yeah. so, so, so good, except for one. And it's the one that has mostly been the reason that he hasn't won eight or nine times. He can't roll the fucking ball in the cup. 
Is he in denial a little bit, though? Like, I've heard him in his press conferences, like, I'm rolling it really good, and I'm hitting it really good. And part of me, the only thing I can liken it to is, like, what I see out of Rory right now, who's in total denial. And he's like, yeah, I'm not winning majors, but I'm going going to win the race to Dubai. (laughs) I'm going to be in it for the – and it's like, are you in total denial of what completely matters right now? And for me, like, Rom – I appreciate his honesty. Like I appreciate like Brooks honesty in their heyday. And when he's fucking up somewhere and he had a really bad putting stretch, he is all over himself about it. And he's like lamenting himself in press conferences. Like I suck at putting right now and I can't get this figured out. And part of me wonders if there's something to just embracing that and speaking it out loud rather than being like, I I feel like things are headed in the right direction because clearly it's, it's, it's completely holding him back. But the other guy is like, I actually thought about you because uh-huh. uh, from, I haven't played golf with you, but everything that you've told me that Chad's told me, <laughs> you absolutely nuke it off the tee. You're a stud with your irons and the putter could be, a, are you, are you like, is your, is your PGA tour comp like Cam Young from last week? Because leading off the tee and approach in the same yeah. week is insane. And yep. then to not get that done, he was like last in putting. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's pretty that's much exactly how I play golf. I'm I've been getting a little better at putting. I I switch putters not to make this about a not to make this a jish golf mallet or blade. Uh, I I was a mallet. Oh yeah, uh, our guy Rising Fire Bets has played golf with me. He does know that. Uh, I had a mallet. I switched to a blade. I've been rolling it really good. I've always been really good putting with speed because I've follow bryson over here my guy bryson i uh i follow his way of putting where he basically when he takes his putter back he has a line somewhere like on his foot like his front foot middle of foot back foot or somewhere back there where he calibrates a uh, like a a distance in feet Hmm. so you get to there you hit it it's gonna go that distance in feet so i've done that myself so speed really good like i rarely three putt but i hardly ever one putt so i'm trying to work (laughs) on i'm trying to work on rolling the putts better so i can get them to go in more but yeah it's hit the ball far hit irons pretty good especially wedges wedges i feel like i'm really good at and then yeah just can't get the ball in the cup it's crazy town so i know how they feel in a amateurish world Let's talk a little bit of uh, what we got for the course this week. You do a great job of sure. breaking down the course. What do you, what are like your top three, I'll say top three things that like you're looking for in a player to be proficient at, to have success at this course. Yeah. So the number one thing for sure, and I say it every year. And if you look at the leaderboards, it doesn't always seem to be this way, but I have an explanation. The number one thing is just how far you can hit it off the tee. Hmm. The, Cam Champ has won here. Finau obviously won here. If you look at past leaderboard, Gary Woodland, when he was kind of hitting it longer, he was up there. Keith Mitchell's been up there. Wolf won it, I believe. Yeah. So hitting the ball far is important because the course is long. um, And it's not, it's like kind of wide, but it's sort of not kind of wide. So everybody just kind of has issues if you miss anyway. So hitting the ball a long way is important. If you look at the leaderboards, doesn't always look like that. You got like short knockers up there. The reason for that is the fields are always really shitty. <laughs> and 
what we know about bad golfers on the PGA Tour for the most part is they don't hit the ball as far as the long hitters do or as the good players do. So in a shitty field like this, the field is just full of short knockers. Like most of the field just hits it 250 off the tee. So in general, you're just going to see people on the leaderboard that don't hit the ball very far, but the course itself suits somebody that hits the ball really far. So if you hit it really far, you have an advantage over everybody else for sure this week. No question. Mm -hmm. The other important thing, and this is, for what it's worth, this is just playing golf. Like this golf course is not hard. Hit it far. The next part, hit really good irons and wedges. Like, yeah, it's very easy. Like I think Grillo has been really, or Grillo has been really good here. Yeah. Uh, Decky, aside from hitting in the water like forty-seven times last year and withdrawing, actually plays really good here. He's really good with his irons. Finau has always been good with his irons. Um. Colin, I think, finished second. He's obviously one of the best iron players of all time. So really good iron players play really good here as well. And that's because you don't really get into too much trouble. It's, like I said, it's not super wide, but it's also not super narrow. So you're not, unless you're hitting it in the water, you don't have too much issues. And especially this week, hasn't rained too much. The last few years, it's rained a lot, like coming up to the tournament. So Rough's been a little more wet, been a little more thick this week. Probably not going to be the issue. Probably mm. going to be like kind of wispy grass and it's going to be really easy to hit out of. So I think if you hit pretty good irons, like that's going to be very important. Um, if I was to think of a third one, if there's a recovery stat, so something that's, I think they do have a stat like that somewhere, but something that says, if you make a bogey, how good are you at recovering from that versus hmm. like a Hideki situation where you hit it in the water six times and then you're just done. <laughs> you're tilted. Like yeah. the the players that can go out there, because there is a lot of water and people are going to hit it in the water a lot. So the players that can go out and hit it in the water and then be able to go to the next hole and be like, okay, I just made bogey here. I just made double here. By the way, I know there's going to be multiple people behind me that are also going to do that. So if I can recover well here, bang, I'm right back in it. Instead of being the guy that hits it in the water, chucks his club in the water, says, fuck this, goes to the next hole, shanks it off the tee, and then he's like, ah, I think I'll just withdraw or something. So um, if there's a stat like that, I would kind of I would look at that as like a very important third one because you can get a feel for the people that are just not going to eject after a bad hole. Yeah, you made, I think your first point and, and was probably your strongest stat that you have correlated is, is mine also. And really when I looked at this course and I've I looked at it the past couple of years and kind of reviewed my notes on it, it's unique in that there are a lot of courses and it's not every PGA Tour setup, but a lot of courses will, will try to mitigate people just hitting it really far. And what they'll do is they'll try to narrow the fairways the further you get down. Or they'll have this water that just tends to creep in it, like just for really long hitters. But if you only hit it 275, you can kind of take the water out of play. I don't think that's the case for the most part here. The water is in play to your right hand side, whether you hit it 260 or whether you hit it 325. Exactly. The fairways are just as wide, basically running up as they are if you hit it really long. And when you look at Champ and Wolf, and I think what makes the difference is, yeah, the further you hit it, the more dispersion you're going to have. So you're going to make bogeys. But what you forget is even that guy that hits it 280, 
The problem is, is when you hit it 325, you're also, when you're in the fairway, going to have a lot more birdie opportunities. Exactly so right. you're yeah. going to make more bogeys potentially if you hit it in the water. Like you said, you can make a five or a six on a hole. But you're also going to have wedges into these holes and have a ton more birdies opportunities than some guy that's going to be coming in from 190 yards. So while they may have less bogeys, they're also going to have a lot less birdies. And if you can find that guy who has a better than average week off the tee, a la Cam Champ or Matthew Wolf or one of these guys like Bryson had a really good year here when he was basically right down to the wire when he was picking up distance. Um, I do think that that is the major advantage sort of in play in play this week. The other thing that I've heard a little bit of, and just because of the amount of water balls here, which I think was more than any of the Florida courses last year was more than PGA national or sawgrass or any of these. Do you link that at all? And like, look at guys who play Florida golf well, and like kind of translate that to Minnesota. Cause I've seen those sort of dots connected earlier sure. today. And I don't know that I'm totally there, but I can see the correlation between playing a course with the main hazard is a ton of water on yeah. every hole. But it just seems like the grass types, it seems very different than what you would see at a PGA National. Yeah, I I also saw that comparison made a couple times today. Uh, I asked one particular individual about it. They uh, described it as a target golf course, which... Mm-hmm. So I, I do totally understand the comparison between uh, TBC Twin Cities and a bunch of the Florida courses. If you just look at it from the sky down, there's water fucking everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. Time. You, yeah. If you looked at it sky down and didn't know what state you, it was in, you would probably assume it was in Florida. So I get mm-hmm. it. The difference is here, like you said, it's mostly driver on every hole other than one hole that he doesn't even have water it's just all uh it's just all bunkers um and like two i think there's two other holes that do have water but everybody has to lay up on them anyway otherwise everybody's banging driver everywhere so the difference there is a lot of courses in florida are a little shorter and therefore people are tending to hit less driver off the tee so yeah. The courses just play different. Like here, the course is long. Like I don't, I don't know exactly what it's playing at this year, but it's like it's well over seven thousand yards. So they like they don't have the option to just go and hit two iron all over the place because then they'll be hitting three wood into the green everywhere. So I do, I do see the comparison a little bit there, just because of how the course looks. But as far as how it plays, I don't think they play very similar. All right, let's look at some guys to bet. Okay. Okay, here are the favorites this week. So we'll go through this kind of in three ranges. We'll do the top, the middle, and maybe a long shot range. Um, Of these guys, Cameron Young coming off a great couple weeks now is the favorite coming into the event, followed by Sung J.M., then you get down to Tony Fee now at 16 to 1. Hideki, the best number available currently is 18 to 1 at these books, at least. Uh, Emiliano Grio, 25. Justin Thomas, 25. Uh, the Septic Tank is 28 to 1. Aberg is here at 30 to 1. Cam Davis, 33. I'll pause there. Who is mm-hmm. your favorite guy in that range, Josh? So I I think my favorite there is Hideki. Um, I'm interested. If I were to bet, because this is a betting show, I I would love Cam Young if he wasn't like 
the the betting favor. We don't bet betting favorites here. So that's I have to pass there. Um, and the reason I like him, he kind of slowed down for a while. He was really, really good for a while, slowed down for quite some time. He's got two good events in a row. And he said something a couple weeks ago. Somebody asked him about his driver. And because that was basically what was killing him for a while is he just couldn't get off the tee, basically. And he said something about he had been trying a different driver or trying something else with his driver and wasn't working very well. And he went back to something else. And now he's back to the top tens again. So um, if we're talking DFS, I would definitely look at Cameron Young, but we don't bet the betting favorites. So I wouldn't do that. So my next look would definitely be Hideki. I'm, Concerned about Sungjae. I don't think he's like playing very good right now for whatever reason. And Tony's just kind of cruising at like top 30s all over the place. So I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with him there too. Even though he's, I mean, he's the defending champion. So who knows? But Hideki weirdly is like playing really good and nobody really talks about him much. Everyone's like, oh, Hideki, he's probably injured. That's all I ever hear about him. Hideki injured pass so i I don't know he's like top 20s all over the place that just what i know about like good golfers playing good golf all the time forever and ever which is kind of what hideki's been doing recently is eventually they'll just win one so this is a great course for him he hits the ball pretty far i don't know if what he is in driving distance this year but in past years he's always in like the very top Obviously, one of the best uh, ball strikers, especially irons that we know of. And, you know, so he's a terrible putter, which we also know. But I don't think that matters too much in this course either. The greens aren't super big, nor are they very hard. So once you get it on the green, like it's not very hard to roll it in. So, uh, yeah, I I think out of all these people, I think Kadecki's probably my favorite. I'm very yeah. interested in Justin Thomas, by the way. Um, I everybody's kind of written him off as if he's like the new like Ricky when he died and the new Spieth when he died. I think, I think their deaths are much different. Yeah. Because Justin is, he's struggling off the tee a little bit, but fine. That's probably not that hard to fix, to be honest with you. His irons aren't really dead. Like he's for the most part, he's still gaining strokes with his irons. He might have the chip yips though. So that might be his problem. He just he can't chip and he can't putt. So I think where his issues are off the tee and then kind of chipping and putting are probably much easier to fix than trying to fix all of your irons. So I really don't think he's much he's as far off as people think they are. So I'm very interested to see like this week will tell us if he's got really big issues or not because this field blows. So if he doesn't top 20 this event with like Pretty good ball striking numbers off the tee numbers should not be bad because it's really not that difficult to keep it in play. The If the other numbers are bad, fine. But if the first two are good, I wouldn't be too concerned about him. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of responds this week in a week that he should do really well. That That's when I'll determine yeah. if he's bad or not. I wouldn't bet him probably. And I also... No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him in cash in DFS, but I definitely would play him in GPPs. Probably he's, I appreciate, I put this out earlier. I appreciate that, like, he's trying, man, and he's yeah, got he guts, and he's like, he could totally just mail in this season. And he, I know that 
Um, I, it's been very subtly publicized, but he is absolutely dealing with a wrist injury. Um, sure. that could, I don't know that it has something to do. It probably does. There has to be some sort of correlation there when you look at like how terrible he's playing, but I appreciate that he's fighting through it this week. He absolutely like with everything in his heart really loves competing in Ryder cups in present. Yeah. He wants to be on that team. I don't think he's going to be on that team, but I appreciate the guts and like continuing to play these events that he would never normally play. Hideki's the guy for me too. I'm not going to bet the top. Um, I did take Hideki. I do think that while he does lack, he's starting to not hit it as far off the tee. When I looked at, I kind of did a combined like 50 50 of strokes gain off the tee and then good drives gained. And he's in the top four in that. Mm -hmm. When he at bogey avoidance he's really good there and strokes gain approach like recently the last 20 rounds when you just look at basically the last five tournaments that he's played in um even weighted to field strength he's number one either way that you look at it um he's hitting his irons really good right now and i think this is the best course fit for him and yeah. if you're looking at a guy I don't know. Like, how can you take a struggle? Like, it, it, he's not playing great, but all of these guys are potentially struggling right now. Yeah. Cameron yeah. Young has never won. Sung JM has won like <laughs> one event ever. Tony Finau, like, had the thing where, like, you could never bet Tony to win. Hideki wins more than any of these guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Throughout his career, and he's got the best number. So he's the guy, yeah. I think, for me. Straka has played tremendously two weeks in a row. Worries me, but the number's out of control. And yeah. that I didn't have. If I could get, like, a 40 on Aberg, I would consider it. Because he, like, if we're going to say Cam Young is amazing with the driver, like, if you're there this week, I would, I, I'm sure you're going to, like, check I'm this going to watch him, yeah, bit, for sure. And it'll be special. But, yeah, just not there at the number. I think when you can bet Hideki at 18, uh, I have no real interest in taking Aberg at 30 with that price on him. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not as high on Aberg as a lot of our betting and DFS community is. Every, everybody is pretty certain that he's going to, like, be the next Scotty and he's just going to, like, win 14 yeah. events. So I'm 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 not there yet. Like if you look at his recent results, not that any of those have anything to do with how well he'll do at TPC Twin Cities, but he doesn't really finish the tournaments very well. He's like mm-hmm. finishes 30 and 40th and 50th and like missed a cut. So I mean, I, I think we maybe need to pump the brakes on him a little bit. Maybe give him uh give him some time to get seasoned. And yeah, I yeah. mean he mashes it off the tee if he continues that. And can kind of figure out all the rest of his game too and put it all together and finish off a tournament. Yeah, he's probably going to be sick, but right now, I don't know. I don't think I'm there on him. He's got to do it for four days, and that's yeah. the struggle. Like, he'll have a 63, no problem, but like, he's going to follow it up with an even par round. He's just quite, it's just going to take time. He hasn't quite learned how to win yet. Uh, but there are some other names who have in this sort of middle range Adam Hadwin, like starting at the 40 to one range, Hadwin, Woodland, Jaeger. Rye is 45 to one. Keith Mitchell is 45 to one. Lucas Glover, who's playing really good golf, is 45 to one. Sahith is there at 45. You start to get to Hostler, Spawn, Poston, Hubbard, Rogers. A lot of familiar names in this this sort of range. Um, anyone stick out to you and like the one player that you, you think is the best? Yeah, if I'm picking one, and this is kind of a similar story with kind of my explanation on Hideki, uh, is Jaeger. Uh, and I actually, I think his odds were better earlier in the day. Cause Joe, I did some research for your show earlier today 
if uh, what was he at? That, that would probably surprise you. He was in like the 50s or something for a while nice. on on uh, Odds Checker. But anyway, so it's it's a little worse now. But uh, uh, going back to the decky thing, I said what we know about the good golfers is when they hang around for a while, they just end up winning. He's been doing that too. Like he's got a bunch of top 20s throughout the entire season. I I think the last time he missed a cut was heritage in mid April. So he is, he's on a crazy run. It's, it's a very similar run uh, that Thigala was on with just, he was just making every cut and you couldn't, really pinpoint why or how he was just doing it but his results are better like he's finishing in the top 20 like a bunch so same thing with the decky as i feel with him you just hang around for a while and play really good golf for a long time luck will just fall in your lap eventually you'll just win so in a field like this if you play that good for so long and you don't have a ton of people to battle luck will be there plus your skill will be there you have a really good chance to win so i my favorite name there is jaeger for sure i have interest in keith mitchell um and we'll and we stopped at the next name that i like so i'll I'll wait for that one but yeah jaeger and keith mitchell they're my two names there yeah for me i took poston actually um i you know he's not a prototypical bomber but he's been trending in a much better direction in terms of his form a sixth at the scottish a sixth at the john deere uh made the cut last week and he finished 11th and 28th in his two previous events here um he's a good putter and and i just feel like to some degree you're gonna have to have that heat especially depending on the course conditions if we're gonna get to 20 under par this week um, I worry a little bit about that he doesn't really gain strokes off the tee, and I do feel that is important here. But the number at 50, I like. I thought long and hard about Adam Hadwin um, because he has great course history here. But yeah, the more I dug into some of the recent form and stuff like that, it just doesn't equate to what I thought it was going to equate to. I mean, he had the second at Rocket Mortgage, but just too many missed cuts in there recently for me honestly considered Batia uh, before obviously he decided to withdraw from this event. Mm-hmm. And the other one for me, I always have interest in particularly in like a DFS format or a top 20 is Eric Cole. I don't yep. know that he's going to necessarily come out and win, but he's been playing so consistently solid. Another guy that um, if you do make the link to sort of target golf and some of the golf that you play in Florida has had a ton of success down here. Yep. Nearly one. That was Honda my other Classic. name, by the way. <laughs> What's that? That was my other name. You stopped at Rogers. I I was gonna go with Cole as well. That I, yeah, I was a. a He's just been so solid, right? He's been yeah. very, very steady and impressive. Exactly. What uh? So I've seen I follow a significant amount of people that place golf bets on Twitter, and damn near every single one of them has Lucas Clover on their uh, card. What uh? What are yeah. your thoughts on Lucas Clover? Because I think that it is bad. <laughs> i'm trying to look here now yeah i mean obviously the sixth and the fourth in his previous two tournaments before that it wasn't great those were also tournaments in the john deere one that he's won before and i think that he always had really good history at the rocket mortgage as well yep. it looks like he 
missed the cut at this event in 2022, missed the cut in 2020 as well, and then missed the cut pretty badly at the Travelers a week before he did that at the Rocket Mortgage. So, yeah, I feel like the form's probably a bit overstated, and for that reason, I just I just won't have any exposure to it. Yeah, and and his form is largely uh, pushed based on a significant increase in his putting yeah which we know lucas Glover is a trash putter so we can't he, he had an interview i'm pretty sure he said something that he's feeling better about his putter or something like the yeah he changed the grip or something like that yeah. grip or that's fine everybody says that that goes out and changes yeah. their grip like i'm pretty sure colin said that he changed his grip to that weird saw grip and putted good for two weeks and he's like dang man i'm a good putter now and now he sucks again so yeah that's my largest concern is he's mostly doing what he's doing now based on good putting and we know he's a bad putter he will be a bad putter again we can't get caught on a dude that's doing really good putting that's bad at putting don't do it red flags are up yep yes time all right (laughs) long shot range um i'm just going to kind of scroll here but is there anyone like just in general um that you've got that you like, like this cheap in DraftKings this week or has like long, maybe triple digit odds. My boy yeah. Svensson's up here. Bezayden Hoot's playing pretty well. Yeah. Kevin, you surprisingly popped in a lot of the stat things. Peter Quest yeah. is playing good. I mean, these are just some guys. Sam Bennett's down here. Grayson Sig's in decent form. Um, yep. Anyone that you think just kind of like a flyer that has a chance? Yeah. So I, I got, I typed out like a whole bunch of names here. Uh, the, I do want to touch on Kevin Yu really quick because I also saw people betting him a lot. He does pop in stats. The reason he's popping in stats, though, is from very early in the season. Hmm. He played really good in early in the season. Then he got injured. And so I think people are hmm. playing him based on stats from before his injury that I don't think he's doing as well now. Yeah. So I, got, I would be careful on Kevin Yu. I just want to make sure I say that uh cam champ i think he's at like 80 something yep obviously former winner and interesting thing about cam champ is you you can't just look at his form or look at his stats and be like cam champ's back let's ride baby cam champ is a lot like um uh how we used to call bubba watson i think where there's just courses that are bubba courses he can Mm -hmm. be in the worst form of all time go to the travelers and just top five and we're like where did that come from he's been dog shit for a long time i think cam champs a lot like that and obviously he's won here he's had another top five or top 10 i think so i i wouldn't feel too bad about taking like a decent flyer on cam champ just assuming that he'll just kind of figure it out on on this course um yeah i do like sam bennett you mentioned him as well he's he just kind of plays really well in the really good events and he kind of like teeters off towards the end so then he finishes like 20th or 30th but he's been in contention in a couple big events so i think a number like this in a field like this assuming that you know he can play this type of golf as he does on the bigger stages i don't see any reason why he can't contend in this event sam Mm -hmm. stevens is kind of the same way i think he he doesn't get to play in a ton of the big events but in events like this he has mostly for the most part showed up and played pretty well. So like Sam Stevens as well. Uh, Another guy that just 
always has like a long shot price, always really cheap in DFS. Uh, Carson Young, yeah, he's out there. He's very similar to the other two I just mentioned. He has had a really good season, kind of just hangs around, kind of teeters off at the end. In a field like this, no reason he can't contend. There's, I mean, there's so many of these names. Uh, if you want like a crazy, crazy name, I got, I got a couple of those actually. But uh, Scott Piercy, like he damn near ran away from this event last year. That's right. He's been, he think he's been first round leader in this event two or three of the. I, th- I think it's just two, two of the four iterations. Like for some reason, Scott Piercy just comes here, even though he's a trash golfer and just plays well. So maybe look at Scott Piercy, and then the only other long shot stuff that I that people love is the local angles. So I'm gonna give you some local angles since I'm a local guy. Uh, you got, I guess Tom Hoagie isn't super uh, long shot guy, but he is a local favorite here for some reason. I went to, I go to the practice rounds on Tuesdays every year. The last couple years that he's been there, go to the practice tee on Tuesday. There is a huge crowd behind him cheering. Tom really? Hoagie. Tom Hoagie is weirdly a like big name here. He's not from here. <laughs> he's from one of the Dakotas, North Dakota so, or something, right? I yeah. think it's North Dakota. Yeah. I, th- I think he's, I think he's Eric Martin's guy. So, I yeah. don't understand that, but he he like loves Minnesota or something. Minnesotans love him. So if you're gonna go local guy that isn't like super super long shot, you go Tom Hoagie. A couple others, if you want local guy Eric Van Ruyen, who played okay last week. He's a U. He graduated from U of M. Uh, you got Frankie Cappen third, who basically destroyed Q School to get into K, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour. Started off slow on Corn Ferry Tour, but been really good on Corn Ferry Tour recently. He's a Minnesota guy. He's like way down on the bottom. He's like 6,500 on DraftKings. Pretty solid play there. Other guy uh, that is, if you're like super just looking for min price guy, just want to throw a dollar on somebody to win like a grand probably, there's this dude, his last name is Van Aragon. Got into the field yesterday. Last man in, sponsors invite. He just destroyed our minnesota state open won that by eight and then like two weeks later he won the state amateur by 12 or one or that's backwards it's one of those two one one by eight one one by 12 which is nuts it i don't care nuts. what level of competitive golf you're playing if you win those type of events by that many you're playing some crazy good golf he's got a few wins he's going to school at valparaiso he's got a few wins there and he is literally from Blaine, Minnesota. Okay. So he might he might know some a thing or two about TPC Twin Cities. So there. Love you it, asked dude. me for one name and I just I just gave you about 12. Well, we got all the Minnesota local narratives out of the way. I don't know what Chad's gonna tweet tomorrow now that you just <laughs> destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, it was um I've got a couple that I'm considering. I haven't pulled the trigger on any yet. I'll have the full card out Wednesday. Um, how are you doing in our DraftKings league, by the way? I think um, I'm in like last. Yeah, you're in last because you keep forgetting to put Linus in. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm also uh I think I'm middle of the pack and I also okay. missed putting a couple lineups in. Uh so I don't It's hard. It is hard. I start yeah. on Wednesday night. It is. I get I get real locked in the video games on Wednesday night. So uh yeah, that happens. Chad always yells at me. 
I gotta I gotta get better at that. But yeah, what uh what time are you guys shooting this week when, when you go on live? Uh for the fantasy golf pod, we yeah. here's the funny thing about that, Joe. We have a set time usually that's about four o'clock our time. Yeah. And as you know, Chad has three kids, Eric has two kids, I have a kid. All three of us have different jobs that have different times. So sometimes in the morning we're like, Hey, you want to go at three today? Hey, you want to go at four 30 today? We're trying to fit our schedule in. So in theory, we're going to go at somewhere between three and four on Wednesday. Um, but we'll see. We'll tweet it out. Follow us uh fantasy golf pod on Twitter. We'll tweet out the estimated time. Sometimes we go a little earlier. Sometimes we go a little later. We do have a new uh, YouTube channel, by the way, the, yeah. I think last week or the week before, uh, I don't know how many people that follow the channel know, but there are a whole bunch of videos on that uh, channel that are like Bryson taking 47 hours to hit a putt or the Reed cheating video is on there. So there's a bunch of videos on there that are basically copywritten by PJ Tour that are still playing for some reason. So last week or the week before they basically cut off the monetization of the account because they're like dude you guys are making money off this video that you aren't supposed to be making money off of which is like three dollars by the way yeah right so they shut that down and chad and i and eric were like so do we are we just done now (laughs) like like what do we do so chad decided to make a brand new channel i believe it's called fgp live stream we'll tweet that too so just Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Uh, but we have a brand new channel. Uh, we're just going to tweet only our live shows there. Um, so we'll figure that out. But yeah, cra- crazy situation there. And we're only, I think we're only doing like 20, 30 minute shows now. We used to do like the long ones, talk a whole bunch of stuff, do some after show stuff where we talk about our own golf game. Short and sweet now, just handing out names, handing out some free It's squares, hard, dude. I tried to. I tried to get in around. I usually try for 30 to 40 minutes, and then here we are at 57. Here we are, 30. yeah. I like to talk a lot, though, so that's that's uh, mostly me. No, it was, <laughs> I, I loved it, dude. It was appreciated having you on. It's been too yeah. long since we talked a little golf. At Jishwish on Twitter, I got. I think I nailed it that time. It's hard. It's you a did. little tongue twister for me. It is a tongue twister. Um, make sure to follow the guy. Follow Fantasy Golf Pod. Check out the show this week. It was good talking to you, buddy. I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah good talking to you. Thanks for having me, man. All right, buddy. Peace. Yep. See ya. All right. Good to talk to Josh. As always, brought some great inside knowledge into the course there this week. Make sure you stay glued to their stuff for uh, for everything they got going on. It'll be at the course tomorrow, so we'll get some videos out. We'll get some stuff out of Chad too. I'm sure. I hate to hear it about the YouTube channel. I remember that, uh, that that when he started that and had like millions of views on the Bryson video. So it was good to see. Quick final thoughts here. Uh, before we get out of here. And I thought it was really cool, um, not only what happened with Brian Harmon, but what also happened with with Akshay Batia yesterday. And both of them initially mentioned something right in their post-game preference. And the one from Akshay really hit home when he was talking about his girlfriend at the time and how supportive that she's been for him and essentially how her entire life is centered around what's going on in his life. And this is not for cloud just for the record, because my wife does not watch my show, but I wanted to take a moment to just sort of appreciate that. And maybe one day when she goes back into these videos and tries to find something for me, um, 
after I'm long gone, because she's at 100% going to outlive me, she'll see this. But I just want to take some time to really genuinely think about and appreciate the things that our significant others, whoever it may be, or our family, do for you so that you can do the things that you love. And in Akshay's case, uh, she makes him sandwiches every morning. She follows him for all 72 holes. And we all have someone like that in our life that will drop everything that they're doing to make their life easier, or at least I hope you do. And for me, that's that's my wife who's transitioned her job to work from home, who takes on the task of putting our kids to bed while I do this live show and really drops everything on Monday and Wednesday nights for me to make sure there's dinner when I come home and the kids are fed and bathed and ready for bed so that I can do the things that I love. And I think just positioning the message to appreciate those people in your life, I think will be helpful for you and to take a moment and to realize all the sacrifices that those people make so that you can have the life that you have. I get to golf usually one or two times during the week. Everything that she does is centered around trying to make my life easier. So if you ever come back and check this out, I appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, honey, and I appreciate everyone for checking out the show this week. Best of luck to everyone. Like I mentioned, if you won the giveaway at that I said your name at the beginning of the show, make sure to tweet me, send me a DM so that I can get you your money. Uh, this has been Preferred Lines Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the program. I hope that you have a great week. Thanks to everyone for checking out the show. Once again, make sure to like, subscribe, comment, do all those things to help me out as we finish out another season of golf. Um, thank you, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Thank mm-hmm. you.